For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com. Welcome to the Angie Spoke Podcast. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. I'm excited for this one. Oh my gosh, this has been a long time coming. Yes, it has. We've been talking about having the conversations around cryptocurrency and Web3 for a long time, but I think we had to kind of learn a little bit about ourselves before we were ready to really publicly talk about it. Yeah, it's been like a multi-year journey. But also, we are recording this at a time where crypto is crashing. Yes. And so (laughs) it's a really interesting time to be talking about Web3 because I think yesterday was the lowest Bitcoin has been in two years. And some of the startups that are servicing cryptocurrencies are also kind of crashing. And so it's super interesting and relevant. And even if you are not involved in kind of the Web3 crypto space, it's important to at least have a basic understanding of what's going on because it's affecting the entire economy. Yes. Before it crashed, we really wanted to have these conversations because we just think that it's incredibly important for women to understand this whole new Web3, and that may be a new term for many of you, which we will define these as we go. But it's also this new era of the internet, Web3, is projected to be a $10 trillion market, which is just, you know, over the next five years, and 81% of the current participants are male. So once Mm -hmm. again, we see this like, you know, tipped one way and we're trying to have some conversation. So at least if you choose not to participate, that you choose with some education and some understanding, like you just sort of like, yep, it's not for me or wow, this is really cool. And I do want to get involved. Yeah, I think that's an important point. And your answer might change over time too. So I think that just like I have some serious concerns around the environmental impacts of cryptocurrency and Web3 technology, which we'll talk about in this episode just briefly. But those are things that maybe are starting to change as well. And so I think just having this understanding, knowing like what the costs and the benefits are and evaluating them is just, it's being a smart participant in the economy, which for better or worse, we all are. So we might as well have some basic understanding of what's going on. Yeah. 
Okay, let's start with some basic definitions. Also, I wanted to say that we are going to have some upcoming conversations with different guests and go into different topics and areas deeper. And so we just wanted to have this first initial episode just to get like baseline crypto knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. And also just, I think to talk about the role that Web3 Mm -hmm. plays in the creator economy, because if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that you have a business, you're an entrepreneur, you have an online business, most likely. If you're one of our clients, you're most likely a wellness creator. And so you might think, hey, this stuff doesn't really relate to me. It's not relevant. Like maybe you know, my buddy or my partner invests in crypto and has some Bitcoin or some ETH, but that's not really what I do. It's not related. And I guess like we want to dispel that myth and say that it's absolutely related Mm -hmm. and it's an integral part of the creator economy. And we're going to see major shifts in the creator economy, I predict, based on these technologies. And so it absolutely is going to affect you, whether you're, you know, using crypto and like a special crypto wallet to buy things or whether you're selling things that are on the blockchain. I think that so we'll get into that. But just if you're thinking of turning this episode off and saying like, I love your show, Sandy and Jenny, but this one really isn't for me. It's not relevant. Please continue to listen. And that's why we've made these episodes. And that's why we're having this conversation because it will be relevant for you if it isn't already. Okay. Let's start with this term, Web3. Yes. Do, so, do you remember, can you describe Web1, Web2, and Web3? Well, I mean, I am not an expert. So again, neither of us are experts, but Web1 was like the original internet. And that's, like you know, that was, only. yeah. I mean, it was like people were putting things up and it was quite complicated to even post anything to the internet. People were kind of having to write their own websites and code their own websites. And it was kind of something where you read, like you go and you look for information. And then web two is like the shorthand that I like to think of it is read and write. So that's like best, I think, exhibited by a company like Facebook or Meta where, you know, you're reading things on the internet, but you're also interacting and you're posting things. So it's like the give and take. And so what we've seen over the last like 10 or 12 years is just this like huge explosion of tools where we are interacting with them and we're sort of co-creating the internet with these tools. So that's kind of web two. So web two is the current version of web. What we know, what we use internet now, that is web two. Yes, except for all of the web three things that we're starting to do. Yes. And then web three, let me just look at a definition so that I get this really clear So it's a decentralized platform that promises to change the way we use the internet. And what it means is that there's no single entity like a government or a corporation such as Google or Facebook that controls it. So with decentralization, um, Web3 is theoretically more secure than Web2, which I know it's a big issue with Web2, right? I liken to sending emails and using the internet, like sending a postcard in the mail. Like nothing is really private, even if it seems like it might be. Like everything is sort of publicly available if you just know a little bit of skill about how to hack something or use the internet. And Web3 is supposed to be much more geared towards privacy, So that's one thing. And then it's also supposed to be more user-friendly, although I would say that's arguable and accessible. And the big thing to know, which we're going to define also, is that it's built on blockchain technology, which we'll get into in a few minutes. And Web2 is not built on the blockchain. One of the biggest differences that I like to think about are, so Web2, what we know right now is the internet we have how many passwords? Like we have a password for our bank and we have a password for Facebook and every account that we have has different passwords. And Mm -hmm. those bigger entities 
have, you know, somewhere they've got our password and some, then they are holding all of our data, right? Like the bank is the best example. They are in control of it. If they go down, everything is lost. Yeah. Or if they get hacked. Or they get hacked. It's all out there, right? So that's a big difference is with Web3 is on the blockchain is that you have that control over your password and your data and it's distributed over, you know, many, many, many different places. So the blockchain is a decentralized public ledger of all transactions. So Sandy, in your mind, how would you further explain blockchain to people? So I have this visual and it may not actually be accurate, but if I have something like, so I do, we'll get into this. I do own a little bit of crypto currency. So I imagine that whatever I have is stored in multiple computers across the world. Like it's distributed over many places. And I picture like basements with like humming <laughs> computers in the in the basement. And it's just like a little tiny bit is stored on that computer and a little bit is stored on that computer and that computer and that computer. So it is kind of like a ledger, but it's not all in one place. So it's a chain of computers that share information. So to put it all together, you have to like pull it from different places and make it whole again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great visual. And I also would say there's redundancy. So it's not just right. bits and pieces one. in one place. That So if someone's computer in their basement gets flooded, then that information, those bits and pieces are stored other places as well. And so one visual that I have in mind for this is like, if you think about a photo, like a digital photo, and it's made up of all these pixels, right? Like, I'm sure this is very, very much not how it works. But I just think about it, like each pixel is, is held in multiple places, like all over the world. So like, there's like many, many copies of each individual pixel, and they're all kind of spread out, and they're all being hosted multiple times. And so it's just this way of building in redundancy, and also building in this distribution. So no single person or entity gets to have control. No one has the power. Yeah. Theoretically. (laughs) Theoretically. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So let's talk about NFTs. Yes. Worst name ever. Like literally the worst (laughs) name ever. Non-fungible tokens. So this is a type of cryptocurrency that represents a unique digital asset. And I think the best example is like, this is, I think we'll reference where we learn most of the stuff, but so something that is fungible, like is a $20 bill. I can give you a $20 bill and you can go spend it. Someone else can give you a $20 bill. And if we swap those $20 bills, it won't make any difference to you who are going to spend that $20. It's $20. It's like the same value, same, 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 right? But something that is non-fungible, it can't be swapped out like like a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, and I think that that is the... So that's been the main explosion in NFTs over the last year. Like we really saw NFTs take off about 13 months ago. And so in April 2021 is when there was like a huge public explosion of people buying and selling NFTs. And that has mostly centered in kind of the art space and in the Mm -hmm. art world. And so those are paintings or memes or pieces of music or things D- that digital you Digital art of some kind. Yeah, some sort of digital art or representation of art. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's been really interesting. And it's been a bit of a windfall for people who are in the right place in the right time who have creativity and artistic skills and arguably many who don't. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for examples of NFTs, where can someone go, Sandy, to go see Open, lots and lots of examples? Open C. 
OpenSea.io, I think it is. Um, So, you know, we hear about it in the news, NFTs. And if you go and look to see like, what are these things? I think it's a bit of a confusing world. So the best place to go is OpenSea.io. And you'll look, it's like a gallery, like there's all these artists and here's all the NFTs and all of the pricing is in cryptocurrency. So ETH or other currencies. So it's a little bit confusing. They're very expensive for the most part. They're all sold out and they're just look like a digital image. And what's talked about and what's really popular are like apes and like usually just like faces, right? It's just like these weird cartoony head digital art things. It's so confusing. It's like, why would you pay thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for this? But maybe Jenny, do you want to explain how the artist can benefit from like selling NFTs? Yeah. So I will bring in another word from our glossary that we're sharing today, which is smart contracts. So another term Mm -hmm. and smart contracts are digital contracts that can be executed automatically when certain conditions are met. These are contracts that are used in the blockchain and artists can include with the sale, with the minting, which is like the sale of their NFTs, they can use a smart contract, which will basically trace the resale of those pieces of art so that the artist can receive in these contracts, like based on what these contracts say, they can receive a commission each and every time that piece of art is resold, which is really revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that I think will change a great deal of how legally we deal with contracts. Like I think that the law has, the blockchain and Web3 has major implications for changing a lot of the ways we practice law and the Mm -hmm. ways that we write contracts. So that's one really interesting example. And then that way, the artist gets this opportunity, not just through copyright law, where in certain countries like the United States, they have, you know, like a hundred years to have the rights to what they create, but whoever buys the NFT really gets the right to resell it and do whatever they want with it. And then the artist can in their contract stipulate under which conditions and for how much money they get to receive yeah Yeah. upon future sale historically like as an artist if i produced a painting and i'd sell it i would you know earn that money that person holds that painting it you know perhaps increases in value and if that person were to sell it again i the Mm -hmm. artist would never see any of that increase in value right so it just gets passed on and you know some of these paintings are like millions and millions and millions of dollars now. And that original artist, if they were even alive, they would never see any of that. That does seem really unfair because it is their work. So this is such a beautiful way to, you know, make sure that that artist is fairly paid forevermore. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, I think it's amazing. I just, it's so cool. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think we should also say there's a lot of really scammy stuff going on with NFTs, like super no. weird scammy stuff. And so there's lots of like these like speculative NFTs where people who are, I would say not artists, but who release, you know, kind of a wave of NFTs just on the, with the sole purpose of like trying to build excitement around some, for some reason, this idea that they're going to go up in value. And so like when you referenced apes, like there are these like (laughs) There's a lot of like really weird, ugly stuff that's being sold for obscene amounts of money that is probably like, that's probably all a bubble is what I would guess. And so it doesn't mean you can't make some money by being in the right place at the right time. Like 
if you're at the top of a pyramid scheme, like you're going to make some darn money, right? Like, but you, you know, fundamentally that's being built on shaky ground. Like, I think that there's a lot going on in this because it's such a new market and a new way of doing business. There's a lot of kind of sketchy stuff still going yeah. on. Kinks but I think so out. next week's episode, we're going to be interviewing Sophia Garcia, who is basically like an art dealer for NFTs. And yeah, you know, so if you're interested in that, make sure you tune in next week for that. But that's really where, like listening to her, she has a company called Art X Code and looking at her Instagram, there is not apes. There are beautiful, beautiful, she calls it algorithmic arts or digital arts. It's beautiful. Like mm-hmm. that I can see investing in it. That feels like an investment versus some of these like, you know, primary color head ape things or whatever. Like I didn't quite get it until I saw what she's doing, how she's searching out these artists and how she's supporting the sale of these artists NFTs. It's a really, really cool business model. So that really changed for me when I saw Mm -hmm. what she was doing. Yeah, me too. And I think that that's just part of the problem is right. Like the beautiful, legitimate work is being sort of all grouped together with some of the scammy Mm -hmm. stuff. Cause like, and if you don't learn about it, you don't really know the difference. And so that's why it's important to understand it. And I will also add that this area is like not really regulated yet. And so in so many areas of our lives and culture, like we live in countries with like significant regulatory systems Mm -hmm. and with respect to web three technologies, like NFTs, like they're just not very regulated. And so you as an individual can stand to lose a lot of money because there's not really somebody looking out for you. So I would just say, you know, like enter at your own risk, but also have fun with it because there's a lot of amazing stuff going on. So just buyer beware. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's cover wallets and mining. Okay, Sandy, what is a cold wallet? (laughs) So the first thing that you need to do if you are interested at all in crypto, you need to create a wallet, which is where you would put your money in. And it's a wallet. like that's like your crypto wallet. wallet. Crypto wallet, yeah. Yeah. So there's cold wallets and the hot wallets. Cold wallets are not connected to the internet and hot Mm. wallets are connected to the internet. So remember, you know, if you forget your banking password, you just like forget password and they're going to send it to you. In this case, there is no central person holding your information. So there's no forget password here. So you have to be responsible for that wallet, the contents and all of the crazy passwords you need to set up to make this thing exist. So the option to have a hot wallet that is off of the internet is typically like a little extra drive or I know I have mine like written down on a piece of paper. That's my wallet. Or you can have a cold wallet that is connected, but you have to protect your own passwords. You have to record those. Yeah, I think you just reversed Oh, I reversed it. Cold wallet is offline (laughs) storage and hot is connected to the internet. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. That's right. No, no. Clearly, this is all new to us. (laughs) So let's talk about mining. This is where things get heavy for me as an environmentalist and as someone who cares deeply about the planet, as we all should. So one of the problems with Web3 and with cryptocurrency in particular is that just the systems, like the way that they function can require a lot of energy usage. And so because of that, like you know that most energy usage comes from fossil fuels still in the world. And so that's 
problematic when you have a really energy intensive practice. Like banking maybe wasn't historically incredibly energy intensive, but now with this kind of banking, it is. Versus, you know, you think about so many other things in our culture, like you think about this move towards electric cars and you think about like so many other industries where there have been decades of work to sort of reduce energy consumption and to be more energy efficient. And then we went and created Web3, which was created in a way that was like on purpose, not energy efficient. And so I think that that's just one of the concerns that I and a lot of other people have with these Mm -hmm. technologies. Yeah. So maybe Jenny, do you want to explain the process of proof of work, like the old way of doing it? Yeah. I didn't quite understand that. I didn't get that. Okay. So when it comes to the blockchain, there's sort of two ways that the blockchain operates and that technologies on the blockchain operate. And one is called proof of work and one is called proof of stake. So proof of work is the original consensus algorithm used by Bitcoin And in order for a transaction to be added to the blockchain, which remember the blockchain is this decentralized way of hosting information, miners must solve a complex computational problem. So miners are basically the people that are running their computers night and day to try to compute problems that will allow people to access the blockchain. So Bitcoin was really created in a way where this Like proof of work means that it was just incredibly energy intensive. And Ethereum was also created using proof of work. And Mm -hmm. Ethereum is, you know, major growing cryptocurrency platform. So what's happening right now, though, is that some currencies and some technologies are using a different way of operating called proof of stake, which is an alternative consensus algorithm that doesn't require mining. So instead, users stake their cryptocurrency, they stake it, which means to lock up their coins in order to participate in the network. And we don't need to get into the details of that. And I don't think either of us would be able to at this point. But basically, the more coins you stake, the greater your chances are of being selected to validate a block in the blockchain and earn a reward. So the big thing to understand, I would say, is that like cryptocurrencies like Ethereum, like the platform Ethereum, is moving supposedly this year in 2022 from proof of work to proof of stake, which will make the entire platform incredibly more energy efficient. And right. yeah, and so I was reading an article yesterday that said that just this transition with Ethereum alone would significantly reduce energy consumption, resulting in carbon sequestration, like a forest the size of Belgium every single year Mm -hmm. would be able to be preserved. Like basically that much carbon would be able to be saved. Yeah, that's remarkable. So the way that I imagine this, and again, this might be oversimplistic, but the proof of stake, the original way, what the way that most people operate, most people operate now is that there is a task that needs to be done. And there's Mm -hmm. all these people, aka miners, doing the task with like complex computation, using their computer, using their energy. And the first person to solve it wins, right? So there's many people doing the same thing in a competition to get the crypto, to do the task versus the proof of stake is that I will say, I'm going to put up, I don't know, whatever, two Bitcoin. What I don't know what the numbers are. I'm going to put two Bitcoin up. And if you say, I'm going to put three, you win the bid and you get to do the work and get the reward. Yeah. So there's less people doing all these complex computations behind the scenes and less people using energy. Yes, I think that's that's right. And I I would say, yeah, so 
the Bitcoin model, the inefficient model is proof of work. And mm -hmm. then this other more energy efficient model is proof of stake. And it still requires energy, right? Like, to, mm -hmm. like these are complex, like algorithmic problems to solve. And so it still takes energy to solve those problems, sure, even yes. if it's one computer, but it's not like, I don't know, 500 computers redundantly doing the exact same thing yeah. at the same time. So yeah. yeah, so that that I think is a good transition, <laughs> but it also has other drawbacks as well. So, you know, when things are not being, <laughs> being done simultaneously, maybe there is more risk involved with respect to security or other things. So Mm -hmm. Anyway, just something to factor in. But learning about this transition, especially with Ethereum, was very promising news right. for me. And it made me more interested in the prospect of cryptocurrency really taking over kind of the financial systems in the world. Because otherwise, like, it's, you know, Bitcoin for me is a no-go zone because of the environmental impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Web3, crypto, and wellness creators. Why should they care? Yeah, so I would say every creator should care because I think that soon most of us will be buying and selling things on the internet using the blockchain. Like I think it's only a matter of time before that starts to happen. So at least on the back end, the tools that we're going to be using are going to be run this way. So that's just one factor. And I would say this idea of smart contracts is to me the most intriguing and relevant part of Web3 so far, which is this idea that like right now, for example, if you're an online course creator, like say you run a yoga teacher training course, like you are limited to receiving value for however many people you sell to. Right. And like maybe there is a situation where you have an option where you sell at a higher price point, like NFT version of your offering, where, you know, someone invests not only for their own benefit, but also for the benefit of potential future resale of what you're doing. Like I'm just like there would have to be lots of like very creative ideas around why someone would do this and how you can make the case that it's likely to go up in value. And but I think it creates like it unlocks this entirely new way of doing business. Like just thinking about like buying a digital image as an NFT, like there's no real tangible value for that other than either speculation or just the enjoyment of owning it. Right. And if you're a creator, though, like you're creating something that has other value. And I think that that's something that's really interesting in Web3, like how to marry those things together. So I would just say, like, just be aware that things are going to start to change. And that like the way we do business, I think fundamentally, and, and how we buy and sell things and what becomes valuable is going to start to change along with it. Yes. And I think the way that I make sense of this or imagine this, like, if we could go back in time and know that, you know, Seth Godin is a really big mentor for you. And when you had discovered him, if you would have been able to invest in his, I don't know, some kind of digital work of his betting that he's going to be a big deal in the next mm -hmm. few years. So whatever original NFT version of his work you would own today, then you mm -hmm. would have just you know, you could resell it or, you know, it's, it's like portfolio for you. It would increase in value, right? Yeah, or like this giant book behind me, this like yeah. giant hundred pound Seth Godin anthology that I have. Yeah. But a digital version of it. Yeah. And I, I've heard it talked about like with respect to musicians, right? Musicians. That if, you, like, 
yeah, if you get in on early with a band, Beyonce, and Beyonce, and you get in early with an artist, and you're a fan early on, that you you probably play a role in elevating that person in their career, right? Those right. early fans do that, and so like, can they have a can they benefit financially from doing that, right? Like, do mm-hmm. you get something for that? So by being like a VIP and having some special association as a fan, where you buy into something early on that helps to elevate and propel that person's career, but then you also receive something yeah. on the backside for it. Yeah. So I mean, that's so interesting. It's so fascinating. <laughs> it's easy to think about artists and musicians and like, but it's very interesting to think about what you suggested with like teachers and creators that aren't going to be like world famous Beyonce, but have a body of work nonetheless that is really important in a particular niche or, Mm -hmm. you know, some really important thought work that's influencing people or the way that other people show up or do their work or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating. And to be able to like pass that along or, or earn from it every time it's used or sold going forward because of the smart contracts it's yeah. like, yeah, no, totally. And I think this maybe is going to sound like kind of out there or far fetched for mm-hmm. our listeners who are not at all familiar with this space or haven't spent any time in it. And we're also very unfamiliar. <laughs> we're, you know, we're doing this series of podcast episodes as novices and as just sort of regular people who are interested and also interested in co creating this new world too. But I want to say something for a second about the economy and like the systems that we all know and seem normalized, like are not going to exist for in decades in the future. Like we are, our entire civilization is built on resource extraction, which, you know, like, I feel like I can talk about this with, with some sense of authority having, you know, doing this work my entire life as an environmental attorney and activist and thinker, it just, it's not possible. Like we're going to run out of resources. Like the cost of extracting those resources, like is going to get to a point where it doesn't make financial sense anymore. And so like our entire economy is built on this. Like that's why, you know, the housing economy grows as we like chop down trees and make more concrete and make more house. Like there's just like, (laughs) it's not going to keep going forever. Like there's a limit to how much the planet can sustain of that. So humans are going to have to figure out different ways of engaging in commerce with each other. So like, that's the big picture Jenny view of what's going on. And so like these ideas of being paid for things like being a fan are really interesting models of like how we make a living in the future, right? Like the creator economy is here to stay. There are at least 50 million people making money in the creator economy right now. That's expected to dramatically increase by the end of this decade. And like, this is how we, like this is a huge part of how we engage with each other through currency. And so these new different ways of thinking, like what actually creates value and what we can be compensated for, like just you have to start thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. Not just dismiss it. And that's why these conversations are super important. And yeah, so I hope that all of you listening start to like crack open a little bit with some curiosity. We're going to put like the best resource I think, Jenny, is that My BFF video, mybff.com. There is a series of speakers, female, that are on a mission to help women understand crypto and the blockchain and so on. Mm -hmm. It's the best, I think, hour. I've sent it to a few friends and they were like, oh my God, that was so good. It's the best hour you can spend to get educated in this and just start to be curious. The term is crypto curious. To become crypto curious and start to think, where in my life could I fit this in? Especially if you are an entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. a creator, as Jenny just described. 
Yeah, I really encourage everyone to be open-minded. And if you're listening to this and you listen to our show, you are. But I would just also say like the old way of having a job and earning a living is gone. So embrace these ideas, like embrace the identity of creator. And if you're in wellness, wellness creator, because that's like, first of all, you're in the early stages, like you're a pioneer in the space. And second of all, (laughs) you're going to see the world dramatically change in your lifetime and how we interact. And I just encourage you to embrace it and be excited about it and be a leader in that transformation because otherwise it's going to be 22-year-old boys making yep, the world yep, that yep. you live in and deciding what is valuable and what gets rewarded. And so we're like, trying to get ahead of that's that. That's why we do this. <laughs> like yeah. that's not how it should be. So like play a role and be brave and ask questions. Okay. Question for you. I really want to talk about digital running shoes. Do you want to do that now or do you want to hold that for a different episode? That that has got to be its own episode. Oh my God, I can't believe you're going to talk to me about this. I'm so excited. (laughs) This close to buying. This close. (laughs) I'm trying to convince Sandy to buy like $15,000 worth of NFT sneakers and there's so much exciting stuff to talk about with that. But anyway, okay, we'll another we'll episode. We'll do a separate episode. <laughs> yes. Okay. You want to do Joy and Hustle? Yes. Let's do Joy and Hustle. Okay. So I'm going to do Joy. And the Joy for today is something that my family and I have been doing on and off since the beginning of the pandemic that I just wanted to share a bit about, which is growing food in the form of microgreens. Like it's becoming more and more of an obsession. Microgreens, if you don't know what they are, they're kind of like sprouts, but not. They're just like the original little leaf that grows when you plant a seed. You grow like very big, intensive, like closely grown together trays of plants and you harvest them and eat them when they're little babies, like about 10 days on average after planting them. And they're just like incredibly nutritious. And it's been really nice for us because as food, we live on an island. And even though inflation is happening for everyone, it's like very hard for us because food was already really expensive. And also for the most part has to be shipped in. And so like the quality of produce, unless it's like, you know, local grown during the summer and fall, it's hard for us. And so We've been growing microgreens and I just, I would encourage anyone who is feeling stress about their food bill or feeling uncomfortable with, you know, what's going on in the world and the economy to look into growing microgreens. We use indoor grow lights and we just use a simple kind of utility shelf, like a, one of those metal stainless steel shelves. And we're able to grow so much food inside and it's so nutritious and so healthy. And we get our seeds mostly. Will you take my ETH? (laughs) I totally want to start a business like like a blog talking about microgreens. <laughs> I think I'm going to. But we get our seeds mostly at True Leaf Market. So that we'll link to that in the show notes if you're interested. Like they have great tutorials on getting started with microgreens. And yeah, that's my joy. Awesome. Okay, so my hustle is like opposite to that. That's very <laughs> green and earthy and beautiful and healthy. And I have what I'm going to talk about up in front of me in the screen. It's like a bloody fingerprint. So it just it feels very opposing. Oh my God, what are you talking about? <laughs> just, just wait, you'll understand. So The Hustle, to help you understand this whole crypto world, is a Netflix series called Trust No One, The Hunt for the Crypto King. Oh, and yeah. it's the story of a young founder from Vancouver who started a cryptocurrency exchange. So basically where you would create a wallet. And he dies supposedly, unexpectedly. Supposedly, and it's like, supposedly. 
Well, you know, that's the mystery of it. So it's like all the investors who lost all this money and this thing that completely collapsed. It's such a great story. It's true. And I think like, of course, it's the story, but it's also a really great way to understand some of the stuff that's happening in current crypto exchanges and wallets and investors. And I loved it. It was just, it's horrible, but it's a good story. And it teaches you a lot to get your head around some of these concepts. It's very entertaining. It is very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so trust like no one how to be crypto king on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It's like true crime, but also like there's a lot of loose ends. I felt like after watching that documentary, I was like, what about that business partner that he started with who's like this total con artist? Like, what happened to that guy? Like, yeah. there's so many things that don't add up in that in that yeah, story. It was, but it's so it, good. It, it, it's a lot of yeah loose ends. I feel like I need to read the book or need more detail or something. Like something is missing. But yeah, anyway, I would highly recommend it. Yes, I agree. I back that 100%. Okay. All right, okay. folks. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah. And, and next week, we're going to have the Sofia Garcia. So the like high-end gallery NFT company owner. And I think that's super exciting. And then I think let's just plan on doing the whole running shoe, NFT digital running okay. shoes. It's coming. Done. All right. <laughs> be, be ready for it. <laughs> All right, folks. It. We will Thanks, see Jenny. you next week. Thank Bye. you. Hey, before you go, if you enjoy listening to our podcast and you know that your future involves teaching or coaching online, check out our Inner Circle experience. It's where we take these concepts, women in business, money, online business strategy, mindset, feminism, and help our clients take their expertise and transition it to an online offering. It's a one-year program with high-touch strategy and mindset coaching, online business courses, and the best community on the internet. To apply, head over to theinnercircle.works, fill out our short two-minute application, and if we believe you're a great fit, you'll receive access to a private advanced training on creating a profitable online business and all the program details. Go to theinnercircle.works to learn more.